Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the front part of your Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy is a very unique book uh, because when you look at it, a lot of when you, you begin to read it, it repeats what you hear in Genesis and Exodus. Uh, Deuteronomy is actually the second giving of the law. Um, and what, what happens here is the Israelites have left Egypt. They were under Pharaoh's rule. And they, they wander in the desert for 40 years. And the, a generation of Israelites die off. And then there's a new generation of Israelites. And God is preparing them to walk into the promised land. And so he's reminding them. It's basically, uh, he's retelling them everything that he's already told the Israelites. He's reminding them uh, of the word of God, the laws of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to pick up there in just a few minutes uh, as we read through this. Before we do that, I'm very aware that in this room there are people who who don't have children. I'm very aware there are people in this room that that aren't married. um, And and you're just like, man, let me me just find a mate before we start talking about kids. And uh, amen. Amen to that. Um, There's some single men in this room need to pony up and, and ask some questions. And so like... Uh, we're, we're pro-family, but, but I also say this. There are some individuals in this room who, who God has gifted you with singleness, and he has gifted you with it. And you look at this idea of parenting, and you're like, okay, uh, family, I'm single, what's my, uh, what's my role there? Uh, and in the same aspect as you're looking at what is your role in a family and you don't have children, I scan across this room and, and just give you a couple of options, buffet table here. There, there are single parents around this room who are trying to keep their heads above water that God may have placed you here in this room to come alongside their children and help pour into them. There are, there are some families around this room, and I see moms holding babies. Like, they just need to know that someone is praying for them. Like, they, they don't need you to come change a diaper. They just need somebody to come pat them on the back and say, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm praying for you this week. And so wherever you're at, you may be... Uh, there's some students in this room, there's some, some young adults, there's some older adults in this room. You don't, you don't have children. But you have an active responsibility in the family of God. And, and, and as you look at this, this is one of the areas when we look at our society, uh, the family is the nucleus of community. And when we look at this, uh, we, we could evaluate and, and look at a bunch of statistics. I don't think we have to. I think everybody would agree uh, our families, especially here in this community, they're hurting. Because family, uh, creating a family is hard work. Parenting and raising kids uh, is like um, Mike Rowe that does that, that show, like, dirty jobs. Like, I think he should do a show on parenting, right? It, it's about as dirty as you can get. Uh, and I know he, he's done some, like, nasty things. Like, nobody's changed a diaper at 11 p.m. at night. And as you're changing the diaper, there's another explosion. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, so that, that's about as dirty as it gets. And so, but, but this idea of parenting and, and raising kids. And so if you have your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the second giving of the law, what we're going to see in this passage is that God has a, has a divine plan and a divine idea for the home. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God command me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, 
that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised in a land flowing with milk and honey. And once you see this picture that God had created the home, parents, Adam and Eve, he created them, told them to be fruitful and multiply because the home, the family unit, was God's plan A for transferring the faith from one generation to the next. So you as a parent, you're, the way that you were designed, that God designed you to have children to transfer the fact that Jesus is who he says he is from your life to a next generation to a third generation. And so if you're, you're raising kids and you're almost empty nesters, like uh, scripture doesn't let you off the hook here. He says from your sons and to your son's sons. And so when we see this, God's idea for the home Beyond anything else, plan A, your primary responsibility is the transfer of your faith to your children and then to your children's children. And so in order to do that, we we have to understand God's vision for your home. And you see this. uh, Now this verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God command me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it that you may fear the Lord your God, your son and your son's sons. And this idea and this vision of, of transferring our faith, God's telling and instructing the Israelites, not in the vacuum uh, of a protected church or a protected city where there was not pagan influences. He's telling them to do this. Israel's about to walk into uh, lands that they're going to take that were, uh, they worshiped other gods, they sacrificed to false idols. He's telling them to transfer their faith in a world that is filled with pagan belief systems. In our church, we, I say our church, in our society, we're very tempted to look at, man, raising kids is harder today because of technology and it's harder because of cultural influences. And just, just take a step back that in every city and in every culture and all of history, there has been this war waging for the hearts of our children. Like it, we've never known a, a time in history where that wasn't true. So what I challenge you is that you, as your parent, if you're an adult in this room, do not allow uh, you to excuse the responsibility it is to transfer your faith because of cultural influences. When we transfer our faith, our ultimate thing, what we see here, is that our families are not impacted by culture, but we transform the culture. And so we are, we are transferring our faith to transform societies. So we see in this text uh, two practices and a posture, all right? Two practices and a posture. The first practice is to teach. You, you notice he says, to teach your children the commands and the statutes I give you. So we are to teach our children the word of God. And when, we, when we talk about this and you say, well, well what, do, what do I teach them? You, you can start very simply in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It's kind of the, the climatic voice. It says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. You primarily, as the teacher in your kid's life, teach your children to love the Lord. Teach them to to trust the Lord. This changes the conversations we have. It it changes the conversations we have at the dinner table. It changes the conversations we have in the car. When we are teaching our children to love the Lord, our questions are not necessarily about, hey, what did you make on your test? Or, hey, how many home runs did you hit? Or how many outs did you get? Our conversations become, did you do your best because you love the Lord? We, we, we don't lower the standard, but we change the question. 
our conversations become, okay, uh, this test, you, you made a C plus on it. Did you work with all of your strength and with all of your mind and with all of your soul to love the Lord as you prepared for that test, as you took that test? Okay? As a parent, I'm okay if you say yes. If you make a C. I'm okay if you let a ball dribble between your legs or you strike out. If you, you can honestly tell me that, hey, you love the Lord. You are doing your best out of a love for God. When, when our conversations change, when we get to teach our children. And so our conversations change, but our practices change as well in the fact of uh, we look for opportunities to sit around with our children and talk about the things of God. And so uh, uh, in my home, this is every night, and I, I've told you what family worship looks like in my house. It's a little chaotic. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. Like, if, if no one's hurt in the middle of family worship, like, it's success. And so we, we look at this. We have a time where we sit around and we talk about the things of God. You say, well, I, I don't know what to talk about. I'm going to give you a really easy answer to that. Get involved in a grow group. There are small groups here. You can go to one of them. You can go home after a grow group and literally repeat every answer you heard at, a, at grow group to your children and teach them the word of God. Like, not excuse, I, I don't know, or I'm not educated. I, I, I just confess, I, I've got multiple degrees studying this book. There's still the vast majority of it. I have to go to people who wrote things 200 years ago to understand. You're not going to understand it all, but don't excuse your responsibility for a lack of understanding. The second, the second practice we see is we, the model. You see twice in these first three verses to do them. That not only to teach the commands of God, the word of God, but to do them. Your children need to see you intentionally living out the word of God. They need to see you model that. They need to see that from, from your conversations and, and the way that you do business and the way that you treat your spouse, that you want to just... You can start at verse 5, loving the Lord with all that you are through everything that you do. And so we, we teach and we model our children, uh, for our children, because we are the, the primary educator and we are the primary influencer. It, it's so funny, and uh, uh, I, I couldn't say this in the first service because my in-laws were here, uh, but um, if you're married, all right, you look at your spouse, and you love them to death, and you say, you're, you're acting like your mother, right? You're acting, you're acting like your father. Why? Because regardless of how if, uh, impactful your family was, your parents were, intentionally were, they were the primary influence on your life. Even a, a deadbeat dad or a, a mom who has left home, they are still the primary influence in a child's life. And so what you do, good or bad, will always shape the life of your child. And so the two practices here, to teach and to model, but this posture, we also notice a posture, and we get that from verse 2. It says that you may fear the Lord your God, and you and your sons and your sons' sons, that you and I, we, we raise our children, we create homes and environments where we transfer our faith from this posture of fearing the Lord Psalms chapter 34 says, Come, O children, listen to me, and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. The, the fear of the Lord is, is not, you know, we, we have to do, uh, you know, you have to stay away from drugs, you have to stay from, away from alcohol, you have to stay away from those people. We, we don't 
create legalism in our home because of a bunch of rules. We teach from a posture of fearing the Lord. And so I want you to write this definition down for the fear of the Lord. It is the constant awareness that I live before a holy God who knows my every thought and action. To parent, to raise a family from the posture of fearing the Lord is to make decisions, to speak, to uh, put family calendars together from the idea that the constant awareness that I live before a holy God who knows my every thought and my every action. So when I discipline my children, it is out of the fear of the Lord. What I want when I transfer my my faith is I want my children to fear the Lord because if they grow with this idea that they're constantly aware that they live before a holy God who is aware of their every thought and action, I don't have to teach them necessarily the uh, you stay away from drugs and stay away from, I don't have to pound those to them. I pound into them and model for them and teach them that we will fear the Lord in everything that we do. And so we, we understand God's vision, that God's vision for the home was that was the primary plan to transfer the gospel, the faith, our faith from one generation to the next. The second thing we need is we need to find your role in God's vision. So defining our role as adults in God's vision. Look in verse uh, three. It says, Hear therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if you've been around church, you've heard this uh, phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey throughout the Old Testament. Uh, but if you've ever thought about it, uh, milk and honey do not flow. All right? Any bee farmers in here? Anybody got a beehive? Anybody kill a bee lately? All right, perfect. A couple of you. So, so here's the deal. Honey. I, I, I'm a frequent uh, visitor to uh, Panera Bread. Uh, at Panera Bread, there's like six sweeteners right there. You have your Splenda, your sugar, your fake sugar. You know, you're just going down the line. Right beside that, there is a bear of honey. All right? If you ever visit uh, Panera, I think Starbucks has this too. There's a bottle of honey that sits on the sweetener table. It is, it is good for you. It tastes good and everything. But if you've ever watched somebody try to get the honey out of the bottle, <laughs> like it's a five-minute activity squeezing the life out of a plastic bottle just to get like one little drop of honey. <laughs> right? uh, milk, right? You go to a dairy farmer, like milk does not just flow out of the cow. <laughs> like, like it takes some work and some squeezing. A land flowing with milk and honey. We as, we as parents do not create our children. We do not provide the necessities for life like air and blood. What we do is we provide the pressure and the participation of what God has already provided. So where God has already provided the natural resources of honey and milk, the only way we enjoy the beauty of that is we actively participate in creating them to flow. In parenting, we, we actively participate in the transferring of our faith with our children. It is, it is an active role that we have. God has already provided the, the natural resources, all the, uh, the tools that we need, but we have to participate in it. And when we talk about that participation, there's usually one or two camps that we fall in. One um, is we we look at our children as our possessions to own, or we look at our children as something that we steward. And, and I want you to think about this. We're going to camp out here for a few minutes. 
Do you own your children or do you steward your children? When you look at owning your children, uh, an owner is someone that is fully responsible of the outcome regardless of circumstances. A, a owner is someone who is fully responsible. We've got several business owners uh, in this room. Regardless of what the market does, regardless of what natural disasters were, you are responsible for the outcome of your business. Right? People want to get paid, your responsibility. You, you own the business. A steward, on the other hand, is a representative of the owner's will. A steward is a representative of the owner's will. An owner has to make sure that everything happens so that they can get the outcome they want. A steward constantly represents the will of the owner. And so when you look at this idea, these two buckets, uh, uh, stewarding our homes and owning our homes, our, our, our children. In these two ideas, uh, if you own your child, then you are trying to uh, facilitate all of the events and all of the circumstances in their life to create the outcome that you want. If you're stewarding your children, then you realize your children are not yours. They're a gift from God that God creates them and owns them. But your only responsibility, you know, what, what is my job as a parent? To faithfully represent the will of the owner. So who owns your children? If God owns your children, your job to parent is to faithfully represent the will of the owner. And so a couple things I want us to look at uh, and, and how this breaks down into some, some key areas in our parenting. Uh, when we talk about our identity as parents, uh, who we are, we, we, where we get our value, how we uh, rate. I love when parents say, well, I, I'm like a B-plus parent, you know, or like I'm like a, a C parent. Like, how, how do we come up with that rating scale? I want us to look at this. Um, an owner says, my child's behavior determines my value. My child's behavior determines my value. And, and, and so I can tell you where we see this. You can go into any restaurant uh, right after uh, church today. You're going to find a three- or a four-year-old who is like way past their nap time, and they're a little hangry. They're, it's, it's time to go. They're going to pitch a fit, throw themselves on the floor. And if you look at the parent's face, it is the face of like sheer embarrassing terror. Like, I'm not sure if I want to beat you or if I just want to cry. Because my value as a parent comes from my child's behavior. A steward, on the other hand, says, God's grace determines my value as a parent. If God, if God created your children and gave them to you, I want you to just think about this. Every child a gift from God. That means that God, out of his, his grace and his mercy, entrusted you with his creation. I mean, you, you get that for a second. That God, as bad as you, as bad, as wicked, as sinful as we are, as parents, God entrusted us with his creation. And that determines my value. That God would do that for me. It's not my, my children's behavior. It doesn't, don't, doesn't determine who I am as a parent. God has already determined who I am as a parent. The second thing that we see uh, in vision and what my child's future holds. An owner says, my child's future is up to me. My child's future is up to me. They think your job as a parent, an owner thinks that my job as a parent is to create something out of my kids. Like we, we're going we're gonna to do a thousand things and we're, we're going to make them something. So you, you pour, uh, <clears throat> not to call anybody out, but like you, you 
you do every like travel ball you can and you pour like thousands of dollars in to your eight-year-old to play, uh, let's just pick a sport, baseball, uh, because they are going to be uh, the next Pedro Martinez, right? Because you, it is your responsibility to create something out of your kids. Because all of the outcome is up to you. A steward says this, God has already uniquely written my child's story. God has already uniquely written my child's steward. A steward, understanding that my job is to represent the will of the owner, and the owner has already written my kid's story. They know that their primary responsibility is to call out from their children what God has already placed in them. I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to create a future for my kids. God has already given my children a future. And so my job is to, to constantly encourage them and challenge them where God has gifted them, where God has uh, opened opportunities for them to push them and to nurture them in those opportunities because God has already written their story. My job is to call the story out of them. And so, the, uh, so when we talk about vision, an owner tries to create a future for their kids, a steward tries to call out what God has already placed in their children. Uh, future. When we talk about success, owners say, my child must be somebody. They must accomplish something. They, they have to have a place in the world. And so what we, we look at success for our children defined by what their status becomes or what their accomplishments become. And so we, we, we see this uh, all the time. You can go, uh, it's, it's baseball season, so I'm just going to go baseball. Uh, you can go to Westside Park probably any Saturday and uh, or, or Sims Baseball Park and watch a 12-year-old come back from striking out at a baseball game. He comes back to the dugout and he's weeping because he, the expectations his father has put on him is overbearing to him because he sees success as I have to accomplish something. We see this for the, for the child in school whose parents have, have put expectations that even if you do your best and you come up with a B, it's not good enough. An owner places expectations on their children because their children have to be somebody. A steward, on the other hand, a steward says God's desire is for the heart of his children. And so I base everything that I do as parenting and the success of my kids based on my willingness to be a useful tool in the hands of God. And so my, my parenting, when I look at my children, I begin to understand that success is not my children being somebody making a name for themselves in the world, but that my, my success as a parent is constantly to model and to teach them to live from a posture that the most important thing for my child, when my child says, what, Daddy, what's success? Their heart is in the hands open to the king. That what my children should know from me, the expectations, the understanding is, I want for them to experience the joy of God more than anything else. And so success, the, the statement of success changes. The, the fourth thing is a reputation. An owner says, my kids are everything. They are uh, they're trophies that we carry around. Like, and you want to see somebody go crazy as you take that trophy child and that trophy child make a bad decision that makes the, the parents look bad. And, and you will watch parents completely lose their minds 
You'll watch a, a, a good kid leave high school and go crazy at college. And because a parent has placed their entire world and their entire universe based on whatever this kid needs and whatever this kid deserves, and now all of a sudden they've let me down, they've broken my heart, a, a parent will just tell spirit. But a steward says, children are God's gift for my growth. Paul David Tripp made the statement, if God intended for all the days of your life to be easy, they would be. No, in grace, he intends for your days to be his tools of refinement. The job of parenting is the most messy, difficult job you will ever encounter, you will ever endeavor on. And it is God's way of working on not, not just my children and transferring my faith to my children, but transferring and remodeling and reshaping my heart. It is when God says that I am a, I'm a good father. He uses my kids to point out where I am selfish and where I am weak. He uses my children to, to remind me that I am dependent upon him. And so as the, the challenge in this, in this world is, is we have equated success and parenting to how our kids turn out and in God's vision, success and parenting is faithfully stewarding his vision for their life in your home. And so here's where this breaks down. Your children, as good and as beautiful and uh, as perfect as grandmother thinks they are, they are broken because of sin. But your, your four-year-old, your 45-year-old, broken because of sin. And when you try to own your children, when you, when you try to create your future, what you are trying to do is you are trying to fix something intrinsically that is broken inside of them. And you don't have the power to do that. Frustration in parenting is when like, it's beyond your control and your child's heart is beyond your control. It is broken because of sin. So the reason that we, we look at this category of stewarding and, and, and modeling and wanting and living out, teaching my children, modeling my children from the posture of fearing the Lord is because I want my children to see the, the love of God. I want them to experience the joy of God. But I know that the best I can do is set an example for them and to pour into them, to influence them. I can't change their heart. That's God's job. And so I want, rightly, I want to be rightly aligned to God so that, God, you teach me what to do with my children because I know that you are the only one that can fix the brokenness of their heart. And so this idea, your role in God's vision for parenting is to be his representative. It is to faithfully steward uh, his, his word, is to faithfully steward his character in the life of your kids whether they just newborn baby and you're celebrating that, there's a few of those in this room, or you got a six-year-old kid, your job is to faithfully steward in your home. Uh, so we, we see this, this idea of, a, of ownership and stewardship. The third thing I want us to, to look at is parenting in a new direction. Parenting in a new direction. Uh, most of you in this room probably at some point uh, have thought about how you're going to uh, leave a financial inheritance to your children or your grandchildren. And if you, if you haven't like, acted on it, you've at least thought about it. Or you've thought about how nice it would be for your parents to leave you a nice inheritance. <laughs> Everybody's there. All right, so we'll get 
I'm going to challenge you to steward, to be a God steward in your home, is to cast a vision for your family for three generations of what it looks like for you to faithfully transfer your faith from one generation to the next. So we're going to do this often, but, but homework assignment, take some time this afternoon, this week, and think about when you're 75, you have your children, you have your grandchildren, maybe some great-grandchildren around the table. No, nobody envisions, a, oh, I want uh, a broken family, I want a hodgepodge here, I want, you know, we'll just kind of throw this thing together. Everybody envisions children who are, who work hard and who love the Lord and the, the grandchildren are, are beautiful and they love Jesus. and That's not going to happen just because you wished it. That is going to happen because when you look at being 75, this is what I desire. This is, what, this is the vision I have for our family. God's given us. To, it's looking back and whether you're 25 or you're 55 or you're 70 and you're coming up on that mark is intentionally saying, I'm going to parent into the direction of God's vision for my home. To parent in the direction of that vision. And when you begin to parent in the, the direction of that vision, going back to that, that, those two practices and that posture, you begin to teach and model for your kids because what you want when 75 is, is for children and grandchildren to know and love Jesus. And knowing that, that it's not something that you will produce, it won't be anything that, man, you hit all the right things, so that's what you got. There's no, no formula to parenting. But that as you march towards that, there is, there is God's vision of, of transferring my faith to three and four generations. Living out the vision of God. That this is the way that we, my family, my spouse and I, we are going to march in this direction and we are going to trust God for the outcome of our kids. So you go back to these two practices and a posture. Let's break this down. To, to teach and to model my children. To teach and model for my children. I, I was just speak. If, you, if you're an empty nester in this room, it may be the, the greatest time in your life to teach and model for your grown children and for your grandchildren. Mother Teresa made the old statement, uh, it takes a village to raise a, a child probably a biblical idea here. Grandchildren, children, grandparents. Sounds like a village. But you, you see this, you have a responsibility to model and to teach. And so you need to find time. Your grandkids are here. Your ch- grown children are here. Whether it's once a month or as many times as they'll, they'll allow, you need to grab those grandchildren and those children and you just sit at the lunch table with them and you need to take them for, for coffee or for ice cream and sit down and talk about. And this is, do you know that God loves you? Can I tell you how I know that God loves me? Tell them how God has been good and faithful in your life. Remind them of the promises of God. As, as someone who has more, a little more wear on the tires, tell them what it means when the bank account doesn't add up and somehow, of the goodness of God, there's food on the table. Talk to them because uh, your grown children are going to go through marital struggles just like you did. Talk to them what it means to, to, to cling to the Lord or, or talk to them out of your failures of what, it, I, I blew it here. And now I know that in these moments, it was not a, a feeling, it was something I chose to love 
my spouse. You, you have to teach and to model your children and your grandchildren if you want three generations from now to have the possibility of all of your children gathered around loving the Lord. You have to walk in that direction. But if you have kids, and I'm going to break this down and just disciplining. When you discipline your kids, it is not out of your tiredness or because you are just, uh, you're about to beat them because they will not obey. You discipline your children so that they would see the love of God. And I just, I, we went to a restaurant last night, and uh, uh, my four-year-old blew a lid, all right? Just me? Nobody else ever done that before? All right, perfect. Uh, I'll speak from my experience. Blew the lid. And in my mind, because I'm human, I wanted to snatch her up and say, you will stop it right now. I'll just be honest, it's, a little, it's always embarrassing, right? But about four years ago, Lauren and I made a commitment that when we spank our children, and I, I'm a big believer in capital punishment, you'll, you'll see me do this. I, when, when we discipline our children, that it is always in light of the fact that we want them to know and love the heart of God, which takes way more time and is way more complicated. So Kimberly and I walked away because I, I want my children to love the Lord. I don't want to embarrass my children because of their behavior. I, I will walk away and sit down in a bathroom, and for five minutes we talked. I didn't yell and scream, just asked for what was going on. Because I want constantly for my children to see the heart of God, that, that God is not someone sitting there with lightning rods. He's a loving Father that cares too much for their soul. So sitting there, we, we talk, and we know in our house, we, we pray every night that we would have a hatred for sin. Because sin breaks our hearts and breaks the heart of God, and it always hurts other people. So, so sin, you can, this is sin. What happens when sin consequences okay do you know that daddy loves you she has so much you know that god loves you more yeah all right that's spanking we're gonna walk out the door daddy loves you so i'm gonna carry you out and give you a fat kiss and we're gonna keep living on because my goal in disciplining my kids is not because it's easy for me, not for my benefit, not because they embarrass me, not because I'm, I'm tired and frustrated with them. I want them to know and love Jesus. And so I look for every opportunity to speak truth into the character of God in their life, which is just, I'm just going to be honest, is always inconvenient. It's just always inconvenient. It's much easier to discipline our children and just keep on running. It's much, much easier to, to program our lives so much so that we run slap busy, that we never have the time to sit down and talk to our kids about what's going on in their hearts. And if we, we want to transfer our faith, then we have the primary responsibility to teach and to model for our children. And tell this modeling thing, just a couple quick things. Church, church needs to be a big deal in your home. Like when you go on family vacation, I'm not saying every family vacation, but when you go on family vacation, you know, model for your children what it means to be a part of, of a local body. 
find a local church and go worship together. When, you, when you're coming back, come be a part of this. Course. Because what you're telling your kids is a priority statement. Find time to sit with your kids and to pray with them. They need to hear you praying out loud. And you may not know what to pray, but you can very simply just pray Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus, I pray that they would love you with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. So, so you gotta, if, you, if you got grown kids, they need to hear you pray for them. You got wayward kids, and there's some in this room. If, if the opportunity exists, you need to figure out some way to write them a note, to send them a text, say, I'm praying this for you. This, this doesn't, you know, we, we don't get an excuse. We don't get an out from the day we have children to the day we die. We're constantly transferring our faith to the things that we, we speak and the things that we model. The third thing is posture of fearing the Lord. To fear the Lord is a very scary thing. To fear the Lord is to say, God, whatever you want, then, then that's what I want. To live from that, that atmosphere, to live from that. So just some practical things. Let's just make the playing field easy. Every parent in this room is a sinner. Like students, I just gave you that light. Mom and dad, just as much sin as you've got. Let's not live with the idea that as a parent, we have to live in an ivory tower. Our children need to see us get before them. And when we sin against our children, when we yell, when we snap, when we make a wrong decision, our children need to see us model what it means to fear the Lord and get on our knees and say, I want God's forgiveness. I've already asked for God to forgive me and he forgave me, but I want your forgiveness because I sinned against you. It is to love our children so much that, that our reputation and our status as a, as, a, as a perfect parent goes out the window when it comes to wanting our kids to fear the Lord. Where we, we talk about we, we don't line them up and just, just talk about the rules. We talk about we, we want to fear the Lord. We, the reasons that we make decisions, and, and many of you in this room have a lot of tough decisions coming up about work, about uh, you got family decisions, you've got house decisions. You, your, your kids don't have the, the mental capacity to make that decision for you, so don't bring them in on that level. But they need to hear you praying for God's wisdom as you make those decisions. Your kids need to hear that you are dependent upon the Lord in all that you do. They, they need to see what it means to fear the Lord, that, that you as a parent are crying out for help and for mercy and for strength and for grace as you live this. To, to live and raise kids, to live in a family in this age and in this era, and to do so from the vision that God has created you to pass your faith from one generation to the next. Let me tell you the, the, just a beautiful thing about this. Jesus has freed you from the burden to produce something so that you can enjoy the responsibility of parenting. You don't have to produce anything as a parent. You get to faithfully steward the gift that God's given you. To, to steward apart from God's word in the vision that he has cast out from your family is to put a burden on yourself that you are not meant to carry. And just to be honest with you, you'll break at some point underneath it. To walk through when a kid uh, becomes a prodigal son, 
that, that load is too heavy when you think it's my job to create something out of my kids. To, to watch grown children run from God and not come back. That load is too heavy apart from understanding that your job as a parent is to faithfully steward the Word of God in your home. To faithfully steward your children. Not to, not to create something from them. That your, your value as a parent is not equated from what, how good your kids turn out to be. Just on who God's created you and called you to be. So when we look at this text for the next several weeks, I, I challenge you, and cast that vision. Cast a vision for this is, this is what I want when, when my great-grandchildren around the table. I mean, get specific. I want, I want to be around the Thanksgiving table, and we're going to have a table a mile long, and everybody's going to be there, and it's going to be crazy, and there are going to be diapers to be changed, and there's going to be... And then today, start making intentional decisions in the way that you teach and you model the Word of God. That you lead from this posture of we fear the Lord more than anything else in our home. So that maybe one day, out of God's grace and God's favor, that my children would one day believe, that their grandchildren, that our grandchildren would one day believe, and that our great-grandchildren would one day believe. But my value and success as a parent is not equated to that picture. My value and success is equated to my willingness to be faithful to the Word of God and to be faithful in my home. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the joy of, of parenting. I thank you for what it does in our hearts. I thank you for what it does uh, just to shape us and to mold us. Lord, I, I thank you for the, just the blessing of, of kids. Lord, I, I pray that you would help each of us to, to understand the vision you have for our home, the picture of of us as your servants modeling and teaching. But Father, I pray for grace and for mercy. I pray that that we would run to you as parents to find our strength. Father, when the days are incredibly long, Lord, I pray that we would not operate out of our power, but out of your love. Lord, there's no doubt in this room that there are parents who are under the burden of creating something, performing. Jesus, I pray in the next few moments that they'd be willing to lay that down and understand how you have defined their role. They'd be able to let go and embrace what you have made them to be in their home. That's you this morning. And in just a second, we're going to sing you may just sit and just, as a matter of prayer, just say, God, I, I'm trying to control my kids. It's something you didn't create me to do. I'm trying to, to force a future on my kids, something that you've already given them. That I, it's an act of surrender. Lord, I, I want to steward my kids well. You'll never find that that God ignores prayers of surrender. Always answers them. So ask Him for help. Ask Him for the strength and the grace to make it through the daily grind. There's some of you in this room who you're, I watched 
you looked back and you were you're remembering years that have gone by and just mistakes and failures as a parent. There's, there's mercy and grace at the cross. No one in this room is a perfect parent. But at this stage in your life, ask God for the opportunities to, to begin stewarding, to begin teaching and modeling. There's not a sin God doesn't forgive. There's not a mistake that He doesn't cover. So there's grace. There's some of you in this room that you're, you're raising kids right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I don't know how you're doing it and you're not going to be able to sustain it. So I, so I encourage you that after the service to... Grab one of our team members and just say, I, I, this is a, a load. It's too big for me. I need Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you created a plan for our home. It's not random and abstract. But Father, there is a movement. Father, we pray in this room. I pray for the salvation of every child in this room. We pray for generations to come to know you. Lord, I, I pray for great-grandchildren that are born and yet to be born. Father, that, that 30 years from now, we will celebrate together the joy of your salvation from parents to children to children's children. Lord, we ask these things in your name.